Good morning. Welcome to the Bond Sunday Morning Services. Thank you so much for being a part of it. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Our email address is church at bondinfo.org. Church at bondinfo.org. And put your name in town on it. And we can answer your question today. Uh, but you have to put your name in town or you can call in. Good morning to everybody here. Morning. Good to see you guys. You guys look very energetic and alert and ready to go. Uh, lots of questions. I, um, I, um, I want to talk to you today about forgiveness. And I know we talk about it all the time. And yet, most people are not getting it. And uh, so I really want to talk about it. Especially after this past week. I had a, I had a week that was... It, it's hard to put in words what it was. It was just... It, was, it, it confirmed everything that I already knew. I was confirmed by that. And the one thing I realized is that unless you forgive, you are not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven within. It's just not going to happen. You can read the Bible. You can jump up and down. You can hoop and holler. You can go to church until the cows come home. You can give your money. But unless you forgive, you're not going to enter in due to uh, unforgiveness being the nature of the evil one. It's the nature of the devil. And um, the battle that we're dealing with is a spiritual battle between good and evil. It's a, it's a warfare between good and evil, right and wrong. There's nothing else going on but that. And most people are, are not getting it. I, had the, uh, I was getting dressed this morning. I turned the TV on so that I can um, you know, kind of look at the news and see what's going on as I'm getting dressed. And I turned to... Uh, I'm flipping through the channel and I saw this thing called uh, the State of the Black Union. You heard, heard about that with Tavis Smiley? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's like this um, conference that they have every year at the beginning of the year to look back, I guess, on the past year and look at the condition of black Americans. And they had all these elitist, liberal black people on the panel. Uh, they had people like... Um, is it Carnell West from, a, what is it? Kanye West, yeah. Cornell. He's from Cornell. Cornell, yeah. Cornell West from Princeton. Uh, yeah, he's a nutcase. You can look at his hair and tell you crazy. He still has the afro on his face and head. <laughs> He'd been left back in the 60s. But they had a whole bunch, uh, Julia Malvo, uh, you know, just a whole bunch of elitists liberal on the panel, Al Sharpton and all those guys. And they were talking about Obama, and they were talking about the black community. But what was, they also had Michael Steele on there too. He was the only uh, conservative there on the panel. And at the time, Michael was elected to be the head of the Republican uh, organization. National. National organization. But, and so these people gave their opening remarks and they went on and on and on and on, talking fast and using big words and talking about how bad America is and, you know, racism. And, I mean, they were just, you know how they talk, right? Real fast, a lot of words. And the, uh, the peasants in the audience, when these people would speak, they were like, yeah, right on. You know, standing and giving uh, standing ovations and stuff like that. The peasants, the audience. And it was the most, 
It was one of the saddest things I've seen in a long time. Because these people on stage, the people on stage were not saying anything. And what they were saying were all lies with the intent to bring anger, with the intent to control. And they were, it was just evil. None of them said anything that brought life unto you and caused you to become an independent person. It was just, and these people like, you know, well-known in the black community. Whenever they, they want to control blacks, these are the ones who come out to control them. And because they have degrees and they hold positions in high places, they're looked upon as, I, I guess, experts and the better people for black Americans. But they are really wicked leaders. They, they, are, they are what the Bible calls Pharisees and liars and back of bones. They're hypocrites. And they don't tell the truth. But yet the peasants can't see it. And it blows my mind. And, and I guarantee you, if you interview the folks in the audience, the peasants in the audience, they all believe in God. They believe in God. I guarantee you. But yet they couldn't see that these people were of their father, the devil. All lies. And Michael Steele was there trying to re, you know, represent the Republican Party. And, and most of the time on these things, they only have one conservative there anyway amongst a hundred liberals, right? And Michael, you know, I wish he could have stood stronger, you know, because he didn't really stand up for that truth either. He let them say stuff that wasn't true and then challenge them on it. You know, and then this woman, Julia Melville, she has this little short Afro thing. You seen her before? Loud mouth, a liar, evil woman, and she, she went after Michael for being, you know, Republican and representing the party, and she would say, you know I love you, Michael, and then she would just go off about him, right, in the Republican party, all lies, and Michael didn't, he didn't, he, you know, he didn't challenge that. I would have said to this woman, first of all, I don't know that you love me, and secondly, you're lying about what you were saying. I don't know if he was afraid or what the deal was. But it was all lies of them. It was, and they will, they will put some truth in there about the history of the country, but it's not the reality of today. But they would use it and put it in there, and the people would applaud. It was absolute evil. It almost made me sad for the people. That the peasants, you know what peasant means, right? Yes. What is a peasant? Somebody who lit up. Somebody who cannot rise above his position, or don't want to rise above his position. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I mean, thunderous of applause and standing up and giving ovation to these people. And I'm thinking, this is, you know, how do you penetrate that? How do you, because they have a hold of the media, you know, the media support and promote that type of, or those type of people. And so how do you get, uh, a, how do you break through that with truth that would bring on a change? You know, uh, especially when the world is of the devil and the devil controls the world. And, 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 and the media and all that. But it has to be done some kind of way. And I think I need to rely on you people when you go out there in the world, you need to represent that truth. That's one way that we can get it out there by being a good example. First, being born again. You must be born again. And when you're out there in your world dealing with people, you need to have the insight to put some truth out there. You know, you have to become disciples in the world. You don't need a platform. You don't, you don't have to be on radio or TV. 
because you're, you know, you're around people all the time, and they need to hear the truth. You need not to be afraid. And these people were not teaching forgiveness. They were not saying you got to lay, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did, he said you got to forgive. You got to overcome evil with good. Don't hate because you don't want to go out of one aspect of slavery into another one. And that's what most black people have done. They've gone from physical slave enslavement to a spiritual one. And they're truly enslaved. Um, and um, let's see, Saturday, this is Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Saturday I spoke to a Republican group of people and I talked about you know, forgiveness and, and uh, uh, white Americans overcoming fear of being called a racist because fear is of the devil and you can't be born again of God and have fear. And I tried to explain to them that this battle is a spiritual battle. Yes, we say it's Democrats against Republicans, liberals versus conservatives, men versus women, black you know, versus white, but that's just a, that's a limited way of seeing what's really going on. It is all spiritual and it has nothing to do with the physical person except that uh, evil works through people as good works through people. I, and so, um, so they seem to really understand that, especially white people. The one thing I notice about white Americans, when I tell them about the spiritual battle and that they need to get over the fear of being called a racist, there's like a happiness to hear, a joy in hearing a black person say, you need to stop being afraid. You need to love your fellow man and tell them the truth. It's, it, it's kind of releasing them a little bit to get out there and speak up. I went, and I'm talking now about unforgiveness. I went to, um, uh, also on Saturday, I, I visited a mental institution. Uh, I had to go down there and counsel with a, a person there. And they had called me and asked me would I come and show them how to pray. And so I went down to this mental hospital. And I'm looking at all these people walking around like in a daze. You know, they're just kind of there. Like, They've lost all sight of reality, and they're walking around in this mental hospital, uh, lost in their heads, and then they're on medication too. You know, they give you that medication to keep you from, uh, I guess, overreacting to things. Because I asked this person, well, what are you like? Because on the medication, this person is really nice and, oh, just love everybody, everything all, you know, fuzzy, warm and fuzzy. And I asked, I said, what are you like? And they know, and they talk about God until the cows come home. Can tell you anything about the Bible. As a matter of fact, they end up reading the Bible to me. But they're on this medication. So I said, what are you like when you're not on the medication? And they said to me, well, I would overreact. I would just blurt out words. I would just say things that doesn't make sense. And I see things that are not there if they're not on this medication. And I realized that I said to them, you realize that that, that is coming from uh, a hateful heart that you have anger in your heart and you're separated from God and the devil is controlling your mind because when you're angry, that's what happened. You are now of your father, the devil. You're disconnected from God, the true God, the one that brings freedom, and you're of your father, the devil. And he talks to you in the way that God would talk to you, except that he talked to you with voices. He makes you see things that are not there. And when you're angry, you can't help but go along with it. Have you noticed that? You know, you can't help but believe the lie and be motivated by the lie. It's interesting. The devil was showing me some stuff today 
I'm like, wow, it's interesting how the devil is always trying to take me up to the mountaintop and make me accept stuff that's not real. But because I can see him, he doesn't have that authority anymore. And the reason he doesn't have the authority is because I don't have the hatred in my heart that he can feed on. But when you have that hatred, you give him power over you. He can make you have doubt and fear about anything. And so I'm sitting in this um, uh, room, this visiting room with this person and counseling with them and talking. And there are other families sitting around talking too. And there was a young Mexican guy there. He's 20. He, was tw- he is 20 years old. And the reason I know that because on the way out, his sister and mother went out with me. You know, they were leaving as well. And the sister said to me, um, what is... What is that person in here? Why is that person you were talking to in here? And I said, well, they're filled with rage. They, they, have, they hate their, you know, they hate their life. They hate their parents. They hate themselves. And they're overreacting. And now they have to be in a place like this because they can't control their life. They have no control. And she said, oh, my, my brother is the same way. She was talking to her brother there. He said that he has a lot of anger and rage. And um, she said, we had to put him here because He's mad at his girlfriend. He has kids by her. He's angry at her. And he's angry at my mother and me. And so we couldn't have him in the house. And I said, well, the next time you visit with him, you need to, you and your mother need to admit and let him know you understand why he's angry. And yes, you know, uh, we've been, you guys have been hard on him and you're sorry for it. Because if you guys could admit, especially the mother, if she could admit to him that, Yes, I did these things. I couldn't help myself. Maybe then that he would start to wake up a little bit because he thinks that he need, you know, the mother to say it. He really does it, but he thinks so. And she was like, oh, so we have to say we're wrong? I said, it will help him since he's so lost in his head and out of it. And, uh, but she asked me what I talked to him. And I said, yeah, next time I go back, I'll make sure I talk to him. But I showed this guy and the other person how to meditate, how to pray, be still. And right away, you can see a light came on again. Even he, though he was under the medication, you could see something waking up in him because he was able to sit still for a moment and just feel the pain of being wrong. And I realized that a lot of people, when you're angry like that and you're, your ego is, is of the devil, because that's what it is, it's hard for you to sit still and feel the pain of being wrong. And unless you feel the pain of being wrong, you're never going to be free. You got to take that pain. You got to sit still in order to overcome. And the hardest thing for people to do is to sit still and overcome. A couple other things that I'm telling you, I had the best, I wasn't here last Sunday, but I have had uh, the opportunity to talk to people about resentment, about anger. That I'm, you know, you guys hear it all the time, you know, because you're members here and you hear it all the time. And to you, it's just words, just speeches. Yeah, Jesse keep telling us we need to forgive. <laughs> you know, and you, you're, you're kind of satisfied in your anger. You're not really trying to overcome it. Am I right about that? No. I'm not right about that? You know, you know, so what? Yeah. I am right. Yeah, see, one honest person here. <laughs> I'm sorry? That's him. Yeah, he said, I'm right. You guys take it for granted. You hear it all the time. And it's just words, just speeches. Yeah, just to say forgive. And yeah, you know, just to say pray. But you don't pray, you know. 
uh, I'll go to church next Sunday, hear Jesse say pray. But there are hurting people out there when they hear, they catch on to it just like that. And their lives are changing. You guys are fat and sassy and relaxing it. Isn't that amazing? You've taken something that's so precious for granted because you can hear it at any time. Uh, uh, last Sunday, I spoke at uh, Ronald Reagan's church when he was alive. And I spoke to the 9 o'clock service, the uh, 11 o'clock service, and the 6 o'clock service. All three. Isn't that amazing? And at the uh, 9 o'clock service, there were five to 600 people there. The 11 o'clock service had a little over 1,200 people there. And the 6 o'clock service had another 600 or so people there. And I have to tell you, um, it was... To use the word a blessing is, cannot define how great it was. It was absolutely overwhelming. The people who were waking up to the message of forgiveness. And I'm sitting there because the church is like a beautiful church. And it sits on top of, on top of a mountain. Really, it literally sits on a mountain. And you, you can see a view of the whole valley from the church. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just everything about it is beautiful. The bricks are beautiful. I mean, everything is perfectly done, too. In order, clean. You ever seen a clean church? It just, I mean, and then at the first service, they had an orchestra. Or, am I saying it right? Orchestra. Orchestra. I'm black. I can say orchestra. I could get away with it. And they played beautiful music. I mean, just breathtaking music in the first service and then the second service they had a band rock band but singing gospel music and the third service same thing i'm sitting there and the devil's talking to me you know i can see him talking he was like these people and these people all dressed up because most of the people there are entertainers actors they're in the movie business most of them so they're like you know well kept they have money so they can be well kept and the devil tell me these people are not going to like this message you're going to have to alter your message. You've got to change it. And you look around, and it looks like they don't need to hear the message of forgiveness because they look wealthy and happy and sassy and satisfied. You know, so he's telling me it's not going to work. But because I recognize his voice, I've learned not to give in to what he says. I'll allow God to guide me. And I get up there, and, and I'm going to read the verse here in a minute what, what we, uh, about unforgiveness. And I talked about, long story short, in and how you got to forgive your parents. And I talked about my life, what I went through. And as long as I hated my parents, I could never be born again. I was enslaved. I couldn't be free. And the impact that the mothers have had on their children, their boys and girls. And, you know, you're never going to be free until you can forgive. You got to go back to where you lost your innocence. And it's, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven with this hatred in your heart. It's just not going to happen. And I talked about the impact of unforgiveness. And it was, it was, I mean, and at the end, we didn't take questions and answers, but what the pastor asked me to do is to stand out in the lobby there, you know, greet the people on the way out. And so it was a long line. Everybody and their mama got in line. But what was so amazing about it is that the people were crying. I mean, there were men and women weeping, literally crying, because no one, according to them, no one had ever come along and said to them, 
and broke down what unforgiveness is and how to overcome it. And they have like, uh, I heard a story there was one young man who came up and said he is an attorney, a lawyer, it looked like he was about early, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And he said, you know, I've hated my mother. Uh, I hate my mother so much that for the last three years, I have refused to speak to her. Won't have anything to do with her. With her. And, and he said, it's so weird that I got up and came to this church today because normally I don't come. But something has just led me here. I got a call, according to the guy, he got a call from his brother saying that they were passing through Los Angeles underwear to San Diego. And they wanted to stop by to say hello to him, he and the mother, right? And he was like, no way, I'm not going to see him. He said, but after being there and hearing about hatred and how to overcome it and how to face it, he can't wait to see his mother now so that he can deal with her and overcome it and love, love her in the right way. And I heard story to story like that. And they told me that was the longest line that they ever had uh, uh, to greet a speaker. And I realized the bondage that people are in all in the name of Jesus because they have gone down. I, I speak here a lot of churches. The people go down to the front of the church and they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. They believe he died on the cross and rose again for their life. And the Bible said, if you believe that and confess your sins, you shall be born again. But that's not going to get you born again. Just believe in it because somebody else said it. You got to see it for yourself and know it. The only way it happened to me, God allowed me to see that it's true that Jesus died for me. And I had heard that before, too. I had gone down to the front of the church. I read that in the Bible and I thought that I had it, but I didn't. But he allowed me to see it. But I heard so many stories. One that I must admit, it, you can see this, too, by going on my uh, website, right? You can go to Bond Info. Is it Bond Action or Bond Info? Bond Info. All right. Bondinfo.org later today, and you can see one of the sermons. I think you see the 11 o'clock one. And, uh, and you can witness it for yourself. But there was an elderly lady at the end of the line. And she said that she came over to me, up to me, and said that uh, um, as a career, I was a psychoanalyst. Psychoanalyst. You know what that is? Yeah. You analyze other folks' lives? Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? What? What? Yes. That's what her career, even though she's not working now, but that's what she did. And she said to me, she said that uh, I hate my mother. And I've hated her all my life to a point that I have fear now. She said she has fear. She can barely function because and she knew that it came from the hatred. She said, but it wasn't. And she said that I've been a member of this church for 40 years. But it wasn't until today when you broke down for me hatred and resentment and where it come from and what to do about it. that I've understood how to let it go. Isn't that amazing? 40 years of going to church, and, and I love the pastor, Pastor Mark, good man, so he really wanted to help. The thing I like about Pastor Mark is that he's not intimidated by another preacher coming in and helping his folks. You know, he wants help for them, so I respect him for that. But can you imagine going to church for 40 years, reading the Bible, lifting up holy hands, hooping and hollering, and yet you're disconnected from God? Because that's what that is. When you have hatred, when you, when you have so much rage in your life that you have fear, 
you're disconnected from God. It's hard to, not for me, but it's hard to believe that you can know the Bible, believe Jesus died on the cross, and rose for you, go to church, and yet be disconnected from God and not know it. That's kind of weird and scary, isn't it? That's something else. And that's why God said that only a few will find that straight and narrow path. Only a few. You're only Christians in namesake, but you've not been born again of the Spirit of God. It is something else to know that you can live a life like that and not know that you're disconnected from God. But thinking that you haven't. And knowing that you, and the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. But you can live this life with fear and not ever say to yourself, well, if I have perfect love, if I've been born again, if I am of God, why do I have fear? The Bible said that perfect love casts out fear. Why do I judge myself and others? Why am I overreacting to my fellow man? Christians don't even ask those questions. They'll read about it in the Bible, but they still won't, won't ask the question. Why is that? I remember as a kid, I used to ask God, well, or at 15 when I thought I was born again, I used to say, well, if I'm born again, how come I'm still weak and pathetic? You know, if I'm born again, why don't I have this peace that the Bible says you should have? I questioned those, questioned those things, not under, even understand what I was saying at the time. But most people don't do that. They, they lift up holy hands, they pray, they hoop and holler, and they never question. And that's why they're never getting the answer to their life. But you cannot be born again and have that in your life. It doesn't exist because it's of the devil. It's not of God. You cannot be of God and listen to the voice of the devil and obey it. He said, my children shall know me by my voice. And most people think the voices in their head is that of God. Isn't that amazing? Is peasant a good word to call people? <laughs> oh, it's not a good word to call no. them? citizens. Serfs? What? No. After serfs? What? No. A serf. Sir? A serf. S-U-R. What is that? Yeah. A slave. A serf is a slave. Oh, I could call him a serf. No. It's the same as a peasant. No, a serf is a slave. No. No. Citizen peasants are not the same? The people. A peasant and a, and a serf is the same thing? Yes. That's what I thought. No. Yes, Raymond? No. It is. A serf is an indentured slave. Okay. Yeah, and that's what a peasant slave. is, right? No. Yes. No. 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 Yes, they are. They were peasants. They were poor people that ran. These people at this. Neither is good. These people at this state of the union were slaves. Yeah, they're spiritual they are slaves because they are not free people. They are not free to think for themselves. They are not free to see that the people that they're listening to are lying to them and using them. They can only motivate by the voices of the, of the uh, elitists. They don't have, is, isn't that a form of slavery? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I'm sorry? Yeah. So peasants are slaves, right? I'm just saying like a, I mean by definition a peasant is not a slave. What is the definition of one? Of a pet. Just a poor, you know, working class. So what? Just like a poor working class regular person. <laughs> a slave is actually owned by another person. A peasant is? No, a slave is. Oh, but the peasants are not owned by anybody? Right. No. 
they're not. No, they just work the land, and, and that's their job. Oh, so it's a good thing to be a peasant then. It's better than a slave. It's better than a slave. Yeah, they don't have any power. Okay, so if I, if I had a choice between being a peasant and a slave, I'd rather be a peasant. Right. Yeah. Okay. What did you say, Pat? I said they don't have any power. They just work the land, and then it's the king, and all those people tax them, and they just, you know, pay it. Oh, well, that's what these folks are doing. Same thing. They couldn't even see that their masters were lying to them. They were glorifying lies. They were glorifying people who were telling them to hate. And they, was, they were not saying come out and hate, but they presented the evidence in a way that you, if you couldn't see where they were coming from, you would hate. You would absolutely hate. And they were going, yeah, yeah. And, and they were saying nothing, just all lies. And that's why I call them peasants. So, but Hermes, you say I should say citizens. I'm glad Jesus is not around today because he wouldn't like you guys trying to change his language. Because citizens sound better than a peasant. But which one hit harder? A peasant? They call you a pe uh, peasant or citizen? Peasant. Yeah, citizens sound like, okay, that's nice, huh? But Jesus said that that's what they are. And he called those people on stage, on that stage, a liar, vagabond, thieves uh, of the devil. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what's going on. But in, the, in our ego form, we don't want to see it that way. But that's what it is, people. It is evil. And it controlled the peasants because the peasants refused to stand up and fight back, fight for their own lives, turn to God and let God guide them. Everything that they were saying was wrong. They were like telling these people, you can't get over anything. Barack Obama got to come and save us. Uh, uh, what is Barack Obama going to do for the black community? When will he focus on black people? When will he focus on the agenda for black people? What is the agenda for black people? What, what is he going to come and say to them? I got a welfare check for you? I mean, the same thing that white folk need, we need it too. A father and a mother. Watch over our children. Make sure they become decent, hardworking, God-fearing children. I mean, that's what white folks want. They want the same thing that we should be wanting. But they want a separate agenda. And the peasant going, yeah, when is the Messiah going to come and bring us something? That, that's ridiculous, but it's a battle between good and evil. And that's the same thing that goes on in these churches. They, they quote the Bible to you, you go, amen, and you go home with hatred in your heart. All in the name of Jesus. Peasants. Rhonda, do you have problems speaking up to sometime in a crowd like that? When, when the devil is against you? The devil and all his folks Not are there. Not too much. No, I usually have to, almost have to say something. You know? Yeah. Just even just a little bit. You know, everybody keeps saying I'm saying. Yeah, but to be fair, let's look at that part, you know? Yeah. But so, it kind of But I'm kind of, I am kind of tempering it down, though, I see, because you know what people now? kind of stepping back a little bit, I see myself. Because a lot of times people just don't want to hear it, you know. Right. And so I'm trying to not be, you know, push it on them. But like they don't I, mind you hear what they have to say. Right. And they, I, they I usually consider, have to say it. I usually something just has to say something. They don't consider, well, we better not say this because I know Rhonda doesn't want to hear. Yeah. They say what they need to say. 
That's true. Yeah, I, and I usually do say something. But, but sometimes it's difficult to do it. Well, I'm you just kind of, kind of watching more or less people don't want to hear the truth is the main thing. Right. You know, I'm sure I'm like that too. Yes. But um, I, I, I have to say something because it's so crazy. Yeah. And, it, and it, this is like this uh, last weekend or something. Is there a not to say something though? Hmm? Is there a lot of them against you? Is there a pool? They're always not? against me. Even my husband, the whole, like my yeah. family was down. Isn't that my nice? husband was the first one saying something against me, you know. Yeah. And I said something, they said, okay, stop, nobody, we're not going to talk politics, you know. Yeah. And I was kind of more concerned about the youngest person there who's the 30 something. She was like, I said, your president's, you know, spending all this money. Well, at least it's going for something. I went, oh my God. But isn't it nice when you're the only one in the crowd and everybody's against you? Isn't that like a beautiful feeling? When you put it it's that not way, such a beautiful <laughs> feeling, but it's almost like, I have to speak up kind of thing. Yeah. You can relate to that, James. Yeah. And you have a problem with it too? Uh-huh. Why? Um, I don't wanna I don't wanna look stupid, I don't wanna feel stupid. And I I don't like the anger that comes up with me when when they get mad at me. <laughs> okay, that makes sense too. A lot of people have that problem. They don't wanna get mad. It, it, especially if you represented the truth, right? Righteousness, and then they get mad at you for speaking the truth. Now you're getting mad at them for getting mad. You don't want to show that. Uh -huh. Okay, I understand that. Yes, Forrest, I can't imagine you have a problem speaking up. Well, I was just uh, going to cite an example uh, that we have here in California of a 21-year-old person who had an opportunity to speak up recently and, and make national headlines, and. Uh, she represents California as Miss California and her title of Miss America was on the line when she was asked by a, asked a question by yeah. a homosexual. That was very brave. And she's, she's taking that even further. She's, yeah. she's crusading for, for marriage in the country. This is a very brave woman. I, I, don't, I don't see anybody in the Republican Party as brave as she is. Yeah, she, is a, she loves what's right. She's not afraid, and that's what it's going to take. Patrick, you have problems speaking up. You understand what Sherry and everybody are talking about? You can relate. Yeah, I know what she's talking about. Yeah, and so is it hard for you to do it too at times? If you're like the only one there and you've got to tell the truth? I think there are at times, yeah, there yeah. are at times. You, you can relate to that? Yeah. You had your hand. Mm -hmm. And what are you afraid of? I think it's like uh, when I was thinking about what I'm afraid of, I think like your ego, you don't want to look super like Sherry said, you don't want to, yeah. you don't know how, if you could defend yourself, well, if they ask this question, your mind's just talking to you. When that does that to me, I said, I don't say anything because I know it's all in my head. Whatever I say, it's already like been planned. Yeah. And so I don't, I end up not saying anything. And then do you beat yourself up once you get home? I don't beat myself up anymore. You used to? I used to, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just silly. I should have said something. Yeah. I am weak and pathetic. I can't believe me. <laughs> beat yourself up. That's wrong, too, to beat yourself up. And, and you, you made a good point. It's all ego. The ego doesn't want to look bad if you get angry. You know, you got to protect the ego, and that's why people won't do it. But if you didn't have that ego, you can speak up. Because you wouldn't be concerned about yourself. You'd be concerned about the people you're speaking to. And you wouldn't take it personal when they wouldn't accept it because you, re you recognize they are rejecting the truth. They're not personal. They just don't want to hear the truth. It's all ego. That's what they, you know, at that, in, in this State of the Union thing, they, they worked on the ego of the peasants. 
They made them feel good by lying to them and keeping control of their life. Yes, Ray. Um, speaking about Barack Obama, I, I saw Barack Well, it's not necessarily about Barack Obama. I want to talk about, you know, I want you to look at yourselves and be honest about this fear that you have so that you can see that it's still it's coming from resentment and it's preventing you from being the light of the world. I don't want to get into the whole Barack okay. political stuff because it's not about that. The political world is there, but we have a responsibility. Yeah. It's we, the people. Yeah, I used to have a real bad problem where I wouldn't speak up because I was afraid of getting angry. And um, that was, you know, so I just shut down. But I don't have that issue anymore. And, you know, now when I, when I do have something to say, it's more like I would like them to see the reality of it, too. It's not like I'm trying to clunk them over the head with it or anything. It's a, it's, it would be, you know, I want them. I could see they're under some kind of... Um, like uh, deception that they are not seeing, so it'd be good for them to see, see you know the the falsity of what they're believing. Okay. Yes, sir. I uh, uh, in, in most of the, the the work I do that way is is at work during my my job, and in my company uh, we're essentially all salespeople. And one thing is very common among salespeople is that somebody who doesn't buy from you is automatically a jerk. Right? <laughs> Salespeople actually think that way. Yeah. Right? And somebody who buys from you is a great guy. Right? So <laughs> it's very typical. And if you're dealing with big, complex clients, you will tend to see people in extremely negative ways yeah. and call them all kinds of names. Right? Not in front of them, but back when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. And I've been teaching the folks that work with me to when they think that to realize that they're not seeing the whole person. And if they can just drop the anger and the name calling and the, there's a lot of blowing off steam, but if they could just see themselves as not doing that, eventually they start seeing the other person as sometimes just some slob trying to get his job done. Do you find yourself judges some of the people that come through there? Uh, the clients? Yeah, I judge them all the time. And mm -hmm. I have to suspend that. I see it happening now. Before, I... I was doing it, enjoying it, making bigger names than other people would about other, I mean, crazy stuff. And do you judge your fellow workers too? Um, less than I used to, but yes. You still judge them. If you see them as just a regular, just a regular person trying to get a job done, yes. doing the best they know how. Why do you still judge them? Uh, so, you, well, because um, I'm not getting what I want, ego, money. Uh, recognition. How many do... people here still judge others? Okay. So, Phoebe, you don't judge at all? No, I don't. No. Okay. Don't who else did not raise their hand? Oh, you didn't raise your hand? Well, I wasn't sure if I should, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, you don't judge at all now? Well, I was in the ministry and I still am at times, but. Um, It seemed that the ministry, this is the Catholic Church, they often minister, and they do so every day, about judge not, at least you be judged. Right. And so I, I accepted that. I didn't, I was raised, I, was, I went to Catholic schools in Los Angeles. And um, they didn't, we had a class, we had a religion class every, every day. Yeah. We had to be in class. 
We had six classes in high school, you know. But they didn't minister the teachings of the church. They, they just let us. So you still judge? No, I'm, 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 not, I'm not thinking that I do. But you may be and don't know it? Might be, maybe. You may be judging and you don't know it. I don't, I don't think I am, but that's right. I don't. If you were not judging, you would know it. If I was judging, I'd know it too. Not necessarily. Really? Most people don't know that they're judging. Yeah. Oh, okay. They don't know it. They really don't know it. So, but I'm telling you in a minute how to know, all right? Um, and so you don't want to judge, but you do? Um, do you like judging? Yeah, but it's a weird like. It's a funny feeling. It's it a weird like. It isn't, you like it, but it's kind of like drinking too much. It's that same liking. You oh, don't okay. feel you don't feel like yourself. I don't know how to explain it, but that's you know too many words messes it up. Mm. I know it's you a can't weird, help but judge. You know what I feel like? I feel like my mother when yeah. I'm judging people. Yeah, and that's really weird. That yeah, is real unpleasant. Man don't judge. That is an unpleasant feeling. Yeah, I don't like. Yet I do it, yeah. but I, I catch it. You say you still judge too? Myself? Uh -huh. No, I you don't judge. judge. No, I believe I'm discerning. But I, I do feel entertained by. <laughs> I think I think I enjoy the entertainment of people, the weirdness of people, too, a little bit too much. Yeah, that's that's my problem. I'm telling you, Irvin, yeah. you say you don't judge, or you do? I say I judge all the time. You do, and darn proud of it. <laughs> you judging now? <laughs> you say you still judge? You judge that? Yeah. How do you know where you're judging? Um, I, most of the time I don't know. You don't know where you're judging? Yeah. It's just it's, like certain instances when, you know, I can tell. Okay. Give me one certain uh, example. Give me an example of when you can tell, for the sake of this young man here, when you are judging. Give me an example of how you know where you are. A lot of you don't know that they are. Yeah, it's just like, I'll notice it, like, you know, another driver on the road, and, you know, so, you know, another guy I had a conversation with, and you say, no, oh, guy's an idiot. Yeah. And, you, know, just, you know, something stupid like that. Yeah. Just. At the time that it is happening, they don't think of it as judging right then and there. They feel justified. They feel like, yeah, I'm right for feeling this way and thinking these things. And they don't see it as judging. And that's what the problem is. They don't know when they are judging. Are you a Christian, uh, Mr. Judging? Uh, yes. You are a Christian? Yes. Sean, do you judge? No, I don't. You don't judge? No. And how do you avoid judging for those who do judge? How do you avoid judging? Just by their actions. You by avoid? The way they act around people, what they say, how they... I mean, how, what do you do that prevents you from judging others? Don't. Don't look at them and say, oh, this person's this. Just look at their inner side, about what their heart says. Just listen to the, what they have to say. Not, if they say something, don't get mad about it. You don't judge your dad? No. You don't judge your dad? No. One more time. And then cop and go to crawl three times. <laughs> <laughs> you don't judge your dad? No. Oh, okay. Um, baby, you say you don't judge at all. 
And so how do you avoid judging? Uh, just by being in the moment, not going with the thoughts. Sometimes you'll get, you know, judgment thoughts. It'll say things to you and you just see it. It's not me and I don't have to go along with it. I just, you know, I have that, we have that ability not to go along with it. I mean, it's like, sometimes it presents itself to you to either take it or not. And, and we don't have to, I just see that I, I don't have to, I have the power not to go along with that. And, and I know people are, you know, they have their issues and, you know, I have my stuff, you know, my weaknesses I'm overcoming and stuff. So I, you still I have issues? I have weaknesses that, you know, that I'm, you know, that I'm not all the person that I need to be. So I, I, who am I to look down or judge anybody when they have problems? I mean, mm -hmm. everyone has stuff that, you know, and also if I don't judge them, I can really help them. If I judge them. And so you, but the issue is you avoid judging by doing what? Just being out of my head and not going along with the thoughts, the judgment thoughts, basically uh -huh. being patient. All right. Um, interesting. Are you a Christian? Yes. I'm sorry? Yes, sir. <laughs> Are you a Christian, James? I don't know. You don't know if you were? You're scared to say no? I'm scared to say no, yeah. You're scared to say you know you're not a Christian? Oh, yeah. Why? I forget what you said. Are you a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> I th I don't know if I am or not. You don't know if you are. You uh -huh. think you may be one? Maybe. You may be one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you say you judge yourself and others, right? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're just like the rest of the Christians, so you may be one. Okay. <laughs> are you a Christian for us? No. Oh, now you're going to say no. <laughs> How about you, sir? Are you a Christian? Me? No, I don't know. You don't know either? Why don't you know? Aren't you a Catholic or something like that? Well, I grew up around uh, a little bit of Judaism and a little bit of Jehovah's Witness, so... Oh, so you're a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, and then that's kind of <laughs> confusing me a bit. Uh, it's confusing you. Well, because they both are in conflict with each other in many, in many theological ways. So you have both of these things going on inside of you? In some ways, because on one side, one of them doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah, and then the other one um, uh, is, is caught up in, um, in dates or things like that. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to help you overcome that. You know, the Bible Go-To Guy made a very interesting point. Then I'll take your hand on the show. Do you guys ever listen to the Bible Go-To Guy? Yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, the Bible. <laughs> on my radio show, there is the Bible Go-To Guy. That's not on radio. He's on every Friday at, on the last hour, 8 to 9 a.m. Channel? Uh, go to the website for California and, and you can listen to it live. Um, but the Bible go-to guy made an interesting point about being a Christian and being born again, being of the Spirit. And he, he made the point that there are a lot of Christians uh, in namesake, and, but they're not born of the Spirit. And so it helped me to see, yeah, that is so true. You know, people do, they are Christians, but they are not born again. And that's a serious issue. Because you could be a Christian until the cows come home, but if you are of the devil, 
when you drop your body, you're going to go and live eternity with your father, the devil. All in the name of Jesus. And the way you know, oh, let me take Hermes first, and then I'll wind this thing down. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was going to ask, can you even resist being a judgmental person unless you're born again? Very good question. And I'm winding down to that. Um, you cannot resist the devil if you're not born again. You must be born again. Because when you're born again, you're born of God's spirit, and now you're subject to his spirit. But if you're not born again and just a Christian and namesake, you're still subject to the spirit of your father, the devil. That's why you must be born again so you can disconnect, come into the light out of the darkness. Uh, other, otherwise, you can't help yourself but to judge yourself and others because you're children of the devil. So if that's your daddy and you're of him, you can't help yourself. And as soon as you realize you can't help yourself and stop being mad about not being able to help yourself, uh, your heart is inclined toward what is right, you shall be born again. Then you can stop judging. You can stop. Because judgment is of the ego. I want to read something to you. My time is running out right here. Uh, turn, turn to, um, we read this last Sunday, and I thought it was really, really good. Matthew, Matthew 7, chapter 7. And let's just read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. You just follow along. You have it? You have your favor? I forgot my Bible. You just get it from the heart. It's just in me. <laughs> I don't need the Bible. Do you have a Bible? Yes, it's right on my desk next to my bed. Oh. You read the Bible? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Oh, that's what I was supposed to talk to you guys about, read the Bible, huh? Yeah. I'll get you next Sunday. Make sure you be here for a special message about reading the Bible. <laughs> Uh, it says, this is chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. Do not judge, and you will not be judged, because the judgment you give are the judgments you will get. And the standard you use will be the standard used for you. Why do you observe the splinter in your brother's eyes, eye and never notice the great log in your own? And how... Dare you say to your brother, let me take that splendor out of your eye when, look, there's a great log in your own. Hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye first, and then you will see clearly enough to take the splendor out of your brother's eyes. And so, and there's something else I want to read, but we just don't have the time. But when you go with thoughts about other people, you're judging. You are judging when you go with those thoughts about your fellow man. They tell you, oh, look at Johnny. Johnny is an ignorant person. You go along with that, you're judging. When you become emotional, you're judging. You're, you're of your father, the devil. And a lot of people don't know when they're judging, so that's, that's the reason I'm laying this out. When you go with emotions... It's because you are a judgmental person. When you have fear of speaking up in a crowd, and when you know you should be putting some truth in there, it's because you are of your father the devil. When you don't speak up, you need to be born again. You're looking out for your ego rather than for what is right, trying to help people. 
when you don't speak, and I'm not talking about crazy people who go out there and just speak up out of term, out of order, just because they think they got the truth and, and, and they should be speaking up. I'm not talking about those nutcases. But when you're born again, you will see to speak up. And yes, the devil will be here trying to tell you not to, but the love is greater than the influence that he's trying to have now, and you can't help but speak up. You got to speak up. You can't help yourself because you represent the light. When you are afraid to speak up, you have fear, and you of your father the devil. That's why God said you must be born again. Because when you're born again, you're going to die from the ego, and you see not to protect the ego anymore. It needs to die. Because the ego is the devil's nature inside of you, and you don't want that. So you, even if it, you know, like you said, you're afraid of looking, I think you said you're afraid of looking silly, right? And the ego is afraid of being revealed. It is afraid of looking silly. But a man or woman who is born again of God is not afraid of looking silly. And your mind would come and try to tell you that, oh, you're going to look silly if you speak up. That's what it told me at this Sunday service. These people don't need this. You don't need to say that. It's not going to work. But I knew that was a lie because I recognize God's voice now. And God's voice is a voiceless voice. There are, there are no words to his voice. It's just a realization. You start to observe things and overcome rather than listening to the lie of his voice, of the devil's voice. So you're separated from the voice in your head. That's what the people in this uh, mental hospital, they are connected uh, uh, to his voice now, the devil's voice, and they're just lost in the darkness. That's all that's wrong. And somebody needs to bring them to the light. And that's our responsibility once we are born again, to bring them to the light. We have some nutcases sitting up in here right now. <laughs> really. You may not be in a mental institution, but you're constantly involved in your imagination. You're constantly becoming angry at your situations. You're constantly afraid of something and running from challenges rather than running. That's nutcase. You're just not locked away in an institution, but you're the same thing. You need some medication or something, right, to calm you down. But you must be born again. And when you're born again, you cannot judge yourself and others. And so we're out of time, but I want to encourage you out there in TV land and here and wherever, you got to be honest with yourself that you're not born again. Because and the evidence is you constantly listen to the voice of the devil, your daddy. So I want to encourage you to go to my website and get a copy of Be Still and Know. It's a prayer CD that will show you how to calm down and allow God to take over your heart. Uh, Be Still and Know and other good stuff there. If you want counseling and other things that we can do to help you, call us at 800-411-BOND, 800-411-2663. We also need your tithing and offering, your donations. It takes money to do what we are doing here, and we need you to help us. If we're helping you, you need to give back so that we can help others. But you got to admit you're not born again if you have fear. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you guys for coming here today. Thank you.